Hi everyone, it's Leanne here from the Beach Travel Wine Podcast. Just letting you know that this week's episode is a special one that we did on the Amateur Traveller Podcast with Chris Christensen. Now it's episode 819 of the Amateur Traveller Podcast and we love doing this with Chris. It's all about Asturias in Spain, so enjoy. Amateur Traveler, episode 819. Today, the Amateur Traveler talks about beaches and cider, old churches and a Roman bridge, jagged peaks and mountain lakes, as we go to Asturias in Spain. Welcome to the Amateur Traveler. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Let's talk about Asturias. I'd like to welcome to the show Leanne and Lyle from BeachTravelWine.com, who've come to talk to us about Asturias in Spain. Leanne and Lyle, welcome to the show. Oh, hi, Chris. Hi, nice Chris. to be here. And I say you're from Beach Travel Wine. I should say that you have both a blog and a podcast at that site. So welcome, fellow travel podcasters. I don't think I had heard of Asturias before you pitched me this. So where are we talking about? It's located on the northwest of Spain. It's on one side, you've got the Picos de Europa. Which the, are the peaks of Europe. Yes, the peak range. of uh, the Cantabrian mountain range. And also the other side is the Bay of Biscay. Excellent. And on one side, you've got Galicia. And on the other side is Cantabria. So right up on the Excellent. north. And why should someone go to Asturias? We found, we've been from one end of Spain to the other, and we just found Asturias is the most fascinating place that doesn't even feel like you're in Spain. There's history, mountains, rivers, churches, food. It's just so many different things about that happen in Asturias that you don't find anywhere else in Spain. And especially value for money. Yes. Unbelievable value for money. We also went to Paris and London mm-hmm. and we did the, a price comparison in relation to Madrid, which would give us a bit of an idea. And yeah, it was, uh, I think uh, Madrid was $289 average for, a hotel. for the day. Paris was oh, for the day. Okay. And London was 527 Interesting. And that, and we talked about converting units. What unit of currency oh, was that? Oh, that's in euros, which is your euros. Okay. American dollars. Just, yeah. I almost asked when you said 200,000 people, what was, was that in metric? But that, that's <laughs> what I got that one. Excellent. And what kind of itinerary are you going to recommend? We stayed in Oviedo, which is the capital of Asturias, and you can spend quite a, a bit of time exploring there. When we travel, we don't have a car because in Australia, we drive on the other side of the road and mm-hmm. that would just be way too stressful for us. You could do some exploring with a car. So day one, we we always recommend you go straight to the Tourist Information Centre. And the one in Oviedo is particularly good. It has a, an up-to-date information sheet about all the churches and monuments and things and when they're open, and which is really important because sometimes you can go to these places and they're closed. And so the Tourist Information Centre in Oviedo is actually in the old town. Oviedo is famous for its old town. There's lots of different plazas and the obviously the old buildings. And one of the main ones is the Oviedo Cathedral, and it's definitely worth a visit. It's got an 80-metre spire on it. It's an important place because it's on the north 
Camino, so pilgrims go there as a pilgrimage site. Okay. And Joel knows a bit more about the cathedral because it's very historic, isn't it? The old town's obviously got the city wall and where we were staying, we could basically see the cathedral. It was started in 781 by, and it's over the years, it's just been added to and added to like most cathedrals in Europe. So the type of architecture is basically Gothic, Romanesque, Baroque, Renaissance. So yeah, it's beautiful. It's on a plaza itself. It's a big plaza where the cathedral is. So there's the town hall there as well. So yeah, so you've got the Plaza de Alfonso El Castel. And uh, yeah, look, it's got the university there. It's got the Monasterio de San Paolo, which is a Benedictine order monastery, and they bake cookies. Yeah, you don't see them. It's uh, how can you say it then? How do they? In secret. Yeah, in secret. So they're, you go they're in and you make an order, and then the thing turns around, and then you've got your biscuits. There's okay, also so, so we have to explain that a little bit. I know exactly what you're talking about because I've done this before. But there's, you're saying you put your money on a lazy Susan. They've got a one-way mirror so they can see you, but you can't see them. Can't see your them. money yeah. disappears and biscuits or cookies show up. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And this particular <laughs> monastery, or their business really picked up in, in COVID. And so they've continued mm. doing it and they've added to their line, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another one of the probably more prominent buildings is the La Ria Palace. And that was built in the 15th century, and that belonged to the accountants of the Catholic monarchs. Mm. <laughs> Nothing changes. Yeah. So, as I said, day one, we'd certainly just explore the old town and get the, the information from the Jewish Information Centre. And probably for dinner, we would definitely recommend heading to the most famous street in Oviedo, which is called Calais or Calle, which is street in Spanish, Gascona, which is a street full of sidrerias and they are where you drink cider. So sidra is okay. cider in Spanish. And I don't know if you've seen this before, Chris, but you buy a bottle of cider and the waiter comes out and holds the cider bottle as high as he can above his head, holds the glass down in front of just below his stomach or her stomach and then they without even looking at the bottle or the glass they just pour it slowly and they catch the cider in the glass down the bottom and they just catch about half an inch and then you drink it in one or two swallows down because that adds bubbles and aerates it it's fascinating to watch and there's a as I said there's a whole street there with about 15 of these different sidrerias that, that do that so that's definitely worth a visit. It's a very big deal in Asturias and especially Oviedo. Yeah. I think that the performance that they do actually pouring the drink is far better than the actual taste of the cider. But that's just <laughs> Apparently the cider was fermented by like Roman settlers. It got going okay. back years and years, obviously. So that, that would be day one, right? And you mentioned cider and obviously that should give people a clue that we're not talking about the weather there or a climate being similar to, for instance, Andalusia on the other side of the country, which is Correct. quite hot in the summertime. Yes. We're talking about a cooler climate one gathers. Oh, right. Definitely cooler. Their yeah. average temperature in summer is about 25 degrees yes. Celsius, yeah. whereas Andalusia, you're talking the as you said, 40. Before, yeah. 40. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that day one, just getting your way around the old town in, in, and going to the Sidrias. Day two, once again, we're still in, in Oviedo and there's more to see. There's I would head off to the Parque de San Francisco, 
which okay. is a beautiful park, which is 90,000 square metres. I did look it up. I think that's 22 and a half acres. Does that sound okay. right to you? Yeah. Could be. I don't do acres. <laughs> I'm sure someone will correct us if we're wrong. Now, the park, San Francisco Park, is called that because it used to be an apple orchard yeah. uh, of the convent of San Francisco. So, okay. uh, so in the park itself, you can wander around there for hours. It's got wide paths and tall trees and there's the ponds and fountains. There's a whole lot of modern statues in there as well. And there's a front of an old Roman church there. There's certainly a lot to spend your time on. There's lots of people feeding ducks and that, that sort of stuff. And if you go up to the top of the park, you can actually get a nice view back down on the side of a hill there. Now, the park is right in the middle of the old town where the old town meets the new town in Oviedo and okay. the new area is beautiful big wide shopping malls and lots of lovely restaurants and cafes there as well so it's a great area to explore from one part of Oviedo to the other from the park there's a whole lot of different statues in Oviedo lots of modern ones there's one of Woody Allen because they he made movies there there's one of okay. a little Argentinian cartoon girl. She's like a six-year-old little cartoon girl. There's one of a great big bottom. Yeah, yeah, that's the, the coolest. And it's it's huge. It really is huge. It's like it's, a big bottom. Yeah, and it's a bottom on both sides. So it's, and they say that the, uh, it was crafted in 2001. Yeah, so um, stuff, The nude cheeks weigh 2,000 pounds <laughs> and it stands over 14 feet. Yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff. And yeah. my wife made me sit there and took photos and uh, <laughs> she just wasn't sure which was the biggest, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and then on on one side of the new town, the new shopping area, after you've explored the fountain and that new sort of area, the park, you come across a Roman fountain and it's called the Foncolata Fountain and it was built back in the 9th century and they still get water from it today. And it's right there, half a block from the main sort of shopping centre. So much to see just walking around Oviedo. And we do walk. And it's not a big city. No, Everything's very... crammed in quite closely. Yeah, so we would definitely recommend you go and explore a bit more of the old town, first you go into the park and then yeah. back to the, the new city. I think the impression I got was that it's obviously not as large, but it reminded me of the architecture and the fountains and the roundabouts of Madrid. It yeah. really did. It's, it is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. One thing we should say, you mentioned the fountain, and mm. the fountain is part of a larger UNESCO World Heritage Site also, which is the Monuments of Oviedo and the Kingdom of the Asturias, so, which is back. going yeah. back to Roman and Visigoth structures. One of the reasons why they're there is because Asturias was never conquered by the Moors. They've got churches at, I think it's called the yeah, San Miguel de Yale and also Santa Maria de Naranco, and they were built back in 1842 and they're still there they're, and they haven't changed. Mm. But we're going to go there on another day to see those churches. Yeah. Yeah. The next day, this is probably the everyone's favourite day, I think, and I saved it for day three because it was just amazing. Now, this is a day trip from Oviedo. To, your final destination is the Covadonga Lakes, which is in the Europa National, the Picos National Park. And there's some things to see along the way and on the way back. Now, we took a day trip with a private company, which mm -hmm. we found good value, but also took us right up to the top of the Picos de Europa National Park where people can't drive their own cars in. 
So oh. that was worth it for us. But if you do have a car, there there are four different car parks and you can they have buses that run up and down, so that's really easy. But there's also hikes and there's a sort of a family-friendly hike, which is about a six-kilometre, two-hour loop. Like if you like that sort of thing, you can definitely drive there and hike or take the bus up. But the first place we stopped on the way, our driver said to us, we're going to, we're going to go and see our, our lovely old Roman bridge. And there's lots of old Roman bridges in, in Spain. So we thought, well, that'll be nice. And he said, we're going, we're going to stop and we can get out and explore, have a around the bridge. So we pulled up next to a building right in front of a bridge and there's cars going across. And I have to admit, I was like, oh, this, okay, doesn't look that fancy to me. It's probably, probably nice underneath. Go and have a look. And so we got out of the car and we just walked probably 10 metres past the building we were parked next to and to our right was the actual Roman bridge. So, and like my, our jaws just dropped and there's this, it's not a, it's not a big bridge. It has three sort of pointed arches, doesn't it? Right. Uh-huh. And it's, it covers the river, which is not a, it's not a big river, but it's the water's crystal clear and it's flowing down over these gorgeous pebbles. And the bridge has been there where the Romans used to go across it, didn't they? Yeah, and so it's been there since the 13th century. Sure. And it's still in its original form. It has a victory cross hanging from the middle arch. And that's a replica, the real victory cross, because there was they, they, the Asturians won a battle at that bridge. The original victory cross is actually hanging in the Oviedo Cathedral that we talked about earlier. So you can actually go down into the creek bed and take photos and look up at the Roman bridge. Hmm. And you can walk over it as well. And it's still got its, all its original cobblestones. Now, you go up to the top of the bridge and one way you can see the beautiful green foliage of the trees and the river flowing down from the mountains behind and then you turn around and you see the water keep flowing and in the other direction you can see the Pico de Europa. It's just the most stunning spot and, the, yeah, the Roman Bridge is just spectacular. We really love that. Now, it's in a little place called Cangas de Onis. And you can stay in Kangas, they're honest, and they've got some hotels and things there. And it's like a little town that's certainly worth a visit just on its own just to go and see that. So that, that's the first part of our day trip to Covadonga and Kangas, they're honest. And so then we continue on to the Picos de Europa National Park. Now, the Picos de Europa National Park is home to the lakes of Covadonga. And these are glacial lakes. The Picos de Europa are 6,332 feet high and the lakes are at 3,500 and 3,600 feet. It's pretty high. And the road up, if, as I said before, you can park in the car park and hike up. Now we were able to drive all the way up. Now, as I was saying before, I'm not the best driver, am I, honey? A best passenger. No. <laughs> and it is a windy road. And the roads aren't that wide. There are buses going up and sometimes you have to stop and give way to a bus as it comes around the corner, which is okay. But then you go around a bit another corner and all of a sudden there's a cow in the middle of the road. They just wander (laughs) across the road with the bells tinkling away. And then you go around another corner and there's about 10 mountain goats just wandering and Mm -hmm. sitting in the middle of the road as well. So the whole trip up is an adventure and scenic. Oh, the scenery is phenomenal. And then when you get 
up to where the first lake is, which is Lake Enol, E-N-O-L, mm-hmm. it just spreads out before you, this beautiful glassy water, and behind it, the Picos de Iroco are still got snow on them, and we're there in summer, so snow-capped mm-hmm. mountains. And if you stop for a well, minute... And just... I missed how tall they were. I thought you had said something else, but they go up to not quite 9,000 feet. So it's not too surprising that you would see snow even going into June or whatever. Sure. But I, you don't expect that in Spain. Snow right, cut right. mountains in, <laughs> in, in summer. So it's a bit cheap to actually see that. Mm-hmm. And then if you stand still for a minute, you can hear the cows wandering and their little tinkling bells going. It's something... Magical, and then there's a walkway, a path up to the next lake, which is Lake Asina, and it's only like another hundred feet up. But once again, the view down over that with the mountains behind it, and these are glacial lakes, so that's pretty unique as well. So it's yeah, it takes your breath away, and we were blown away by just how beautiful it was. Now, the whole time we were in Asturias, we didn't hear another English speaker, but there are a lot of Spanish people holidaying in this area. And there's a little cafe right up the top there, and there's lots of people sitting there having coffees, and it's it's a wonderful place to visit. Yeah, isn't it? One thing Mm -hmm. that I read, if I can trust the internet, that is unusual, one of those only in Spain things is in Lake Enol, there's apparently a submerged image of the Virgin Mary in the lake that is elevated every year on the 8th of September and taken out for a procession. I read that too. I can't (laughs) confirm or deny. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, if I can trust the internet, which has lied to me before, I should say. Our guide didn't tell us about that, but then we weren't there in September. That would be something I'd like to know for sure. So, yeah, we were pretty blown away by that, and we thought our day was just about over, and... Our guide said, we've got one more stop. We're going to stop in the little village of Covadonga and there's a church to look at there and like a sacred cave. We head back down the mountain and we pull up at a, he drops us off because he's, once again, there's some places you can't drive into. Right. And we head up these stairs and all of a sudden, if you can imagine, there's these bottle green mountains and I think they're covered in fir trees. I, you know, I don't know the, sort okay. of the flora over there. And we're on the edge of an escarpment and right on the edge of that escarpment is this massive, magnificent basilica, the Basilica of Covadonga. When was that one built? It's... Yeah, that's the 19th century. Basilica de Santa Maria, 19th century. Yeah. And it's... Got a lot of the buildings in Spain are that golden sort of sandstone colour, but this mm-hmm. one glows rose pink almost. And mm-hmm. so you've got this basilica that's, yeah, as I said, it's pink. You've got the bottle green mountains and it's sitting like majestically right on the edge of this escarpment. Like I'm, I haven't been to a lot of European countries in the north, but I imagine it's a bit more like Sweden or something. We were just like, where, how have we not heard of this? And know? how did they build it? How did they build it? And you can go into the cathedral. It's it's open for, it's free to go in. You can't take photos if there's a service going on. And you can walk around the edge of the cathedral as well and look down over the escarpment. And hmm. one of the things from the, this, the escarpment there, the cathedral, is you look across and there's a cliff face. And in the cliff mm-hmm. face, there's a little church built in. Mm-hmm. and you then can walk to that. You have to go through a cave and you come to, it's called a sacred cave, isn't it? The Sanctuary of Covadonga. Yes, and so there's a memorial there, the Virgin Mary as well, and it's believed to be a bit of a pilgrimage site as well, isn't it? Yeah. Like people believe 
you touch mm -hmm. the monument you get healing properties and things and from there you can look down and there's like a pond surrounded by beautiful flowers a fountain that is once again supposed to have healing water and you're looking back over to that cathedral on the escarpment that we're talking about if nothing else it's just worth going to Asturias just for that day yeah it's a pretty pretty magical place yeah, there's a, quite a large bronze statue of King Palaio, who's basically credited with really the first monarch of Frias. And he's said to be buried in the, and Alphonse is said to be buried at the sanctuary of Covadonga. So that's very important to the Spanish people. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty, pretty great day out for sure. Yeah, anything else we can talk about that one? That's We got just side swapped with how good that was <laughs> and so well, yes we the other thing that we should say is the you mentioned the peaks of europe and very rugged mountains um, oh yes very spectacular mountains if, if you're we've talked recently a lot about the dolomites and their jagged peaks and things like that if mm. you like those you'd like these <laughs> oh yeah oh, so, and we, the other thing is one of the reasons why the uh, moors didn't defeat the asturians was because of the Picos de Europa. <laughs> to climb them, right. that just wasn't worth the risk. And it's mm -hmm. not just, they're not just in Asturias. There's the main part of the Mar, but if you do any sort of road trip along the north of Spain, mm -hmm. there's certainly a backdrop the whole way. So, yeah. And as you said, they're quite rugged, very rugged. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So that's that would be our... Day three. Day three, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you can stay, there's accommodation around that little town of Covadonga as well. You could easily do that. So day four, we headed out. We think it's an, another good day to, to be exploring some places just out of Oviedo. And there's a place just out called Mount Naranco. And on Mount Naranco are two ninth century churches. And they, which a lot of the churches and things in Spain are around the 11th century or 13th century, but these are built in 1842, which is uh, 842. Sorry, 842, not 18. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 842. They're very old and they're in really good condition. You can get a guided tour, and they're only, it's only about four euro an adult to go in, and they're open through summer every day, except for when there's services on. They sometimes do services there, so that's the information you get from the tourist information centre, as we said. So these there's two in particular. So there's the Santa Maria del Narenco and the Iglesia San Miguel de Lillo, and they are probably about a hundred metres apart on the side of Mount Narenco. And there is a bus that goes from town up to the, the hill, but we decided we'd walk. So it's about a, a four-kilometre walk from town. It is uphill. It's not too steep. That mm -hmm. I'd say medium fitness. And the reason you want to walk is it's great exercise, obviously, but just the views as well. On the yeah, that, yeah. The, when, once we got there and then we looked back over the city, it mm. was magnificent, yes. really. I really enjoyed that. Mm. So the first one you, we went to see was the, the Iglesia San Miguel and it was built a church wasn't it yeah. it's not big you think of churches in or a silica in Spain as massive this one right. I can't don't really can't really describe it but it's like the size of a massive house probably yeah. like a, a mansion mm -hmm. so they didn't build them big but it just stands there all on its own in the middle of the top like a, a flat area on the side of the mountain and once again you can walk around the outside you can go inside but the architecture of it you wouldn't think it was that many years old, would you? Yeah, and they were built by Alfonso II. They're very different than what you normally see in places like Seville 
Sure. Because uh, mm. uh, they're so much older, like they're 800 years. Mm. Well, not 800, right. probably 500 years. Now, the other... We mentioned the UNESCO World Heritage Site. These two churches are a part of that mm. site as well. Yes, yes. Yeah, and they were granted that in 1985. Oh, are they? Okay. And the other church up there, which originally was actually built as a house, wasn't it? And a mansion, and they decided, no, it was too good. They wanted to turn that into a church as well. So, as I said, it's about 100 <laughs> metres away. And yep. it, again, just sits on a nice flat area of, of the side of the mountain. And people are having picnics up there. You can sit and you, you can hear the cows again up there. You can look down over the field, the green mountains, down into the whole city of Oviedo and just wander through those two sites and like great photo opportunities. And you can go up the staircases on the outside and you can go with a guide. Now, when we were there, they were only doing Spanish guided tours. We speak a tiny mm-hmm. bit of Spanish, but not enough to get a whole tour. And so you can't just wander inside them on your own. There also is a tourist information center, like it's pretty modern and it's just set up there just to tell you about the those two buildings there's a whole lot of interactive like, videos and displays as well and people on site just to to help you and they do speak english they go through all the history and stuff there so that's worth going into and i think you should tell chris what happened when we walked down the hill oh yes okay so that took most of the day but when we walked back down the hill we decided we needed a, a cold drink of course as you do mm-hmm. in in spain and we stopped at this little cafe bar and there was a band there and i don't know if you've heard of la tuna bands chris i have not okay tuna bands traditional university bands oh, okay. years ago they used to mm-hmm. dress in their you know old university uniforms which they do now as well they wear those and mm-hmm. it's a group of sort of 10 plus sort of usually guys all playing different instruments from guitars to... To lutes, to... Tambourines. Mandolins. And, and they sing traditional songs. Now, centuries ago, they used to do that to earn money because they were poor university students. Now they do it to entertain people. Hmm. So we sat there listening to Tuna of Oviedo and it's the most fun you can have watching a band play, I think. And there must be, there's a bit of hierarchy. There's obviously the leader and the new guys that are coming through learning the instruments Mm -hmm. and they don't get paid, but the guy keeps bringing them out beers and tapas. So we sat there and listened to them. And one of the things we do when we go away, we take little koalas with us and we like to give people a koala award. So if someone's been really helpful or friendly or funny, okay. or something, it's nice to give them. They don't often see a lot of Aussies in, 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 in Spain. So we decided we'd give this, the band a, a little koala. And so they made me an honorary Latuna for a Half, an, half a minute and I got to wear one of the capes and yeah it was a lot of fun <laughs> and then they were very good yeah. they were and obviously this started back in the 1600s this mm. particular mm-hmm. tradition because that's when the university was first built and we also saw them in Salamanca yeah, was it? we did see another yeah. group okay. so it's not only just in Oviedo yeah. but they mm-hmm. were brilliant we were there for two and a half hours yeah, and we and the, the gentleman that owned the cafe he kept on asking us what tapas we wanted anyway cut a long story short when we got the bill it was 12 euro we'd been there for two and a half hours we <laughs> Had a few drinks, a, yeah. probably four drinks each. We'd had tapas, and the bill was twelve euro. So you don't often get the free tapas up in northern Spain, so we did there, which was pretty good. And uh, yeah, so La Tuna, it's a lot of fun. So that was enough for our day four. A lot of climbing and entertainment. Ready to move on? Day five, we 
chose Oviedo because it's very close to lots of other places you can get by public transport, as I said. So mm-hmm. it's a half hour to Ijon, which is on the coast of... And that's yeah. G-I-J-O-N. Correct. Yes, yeah. Okay. So G, yeah, yeah. And so it, it's a quite a well-known coastal town. And yeah, so it's an, and it's half hour on a bus. So really easy. The buses run every half hour, hour, there and back. And so you can go all day and come back. So we certainly recommend a day trip to Ijon. It's And it's quite... A big town too. It's like a, I think it's got more people than Oviedo, even though Oviedo is the capital. So it has two main big beach areas, that, yeah. and they're those the sort of beaches that they've got the balustrade promenades all the way around. So it's certainly lovely walking conditions and a big sort of circular beach, a little bit like San Sebastian, but yeah, we, the, it was a bit more rugged. The weather that day it was quite rough, but it also has a, a rugged cliff top lookout yeah and, the santa catalina hill yeah and uh, there's a great big monument up there it's called the eulogy to the horizon built in 1990 it's the beauties in the eye of the beholder but it's certainly easy to, <laughs> you can't miss it put it that way and there's also an artillery that was, a, that artillery was a very gracious way not to compliment a statuary <laughs> Yeah, but the views up there of the Cantabrian Sea are second to none. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, that, that's the first stop. It also has the marina port area, and that sort of separates the two beach areas. So, so that's... El Muso Beach? Uh, El Muso, yeah, yeah, that's the port area, and that's probably more the commercial area. And uh, the beach there is the Playa de San Lorenzo, and okay. the, probably more the tourist beach is the Playa de, de Poniente. And that was beautiful. That was what you'd expect to see. But again, in northern Spain, the beaches are much more sandy than the Andalusia, whereas Mm -hmm. Andalusia is a lot of rock and whatever. Whereas in the north of Spain, probably because, you know, on the the, more closer to the Atlantic, it's a lot more sand and the beaches are quite large. Mm. And Mm. there was so much water activity the day we were there. It wasn't. It wasn't probably the sunniest day, but it was still nice enough. Mm. But yeah, there's lots of water activity, whether it be sailing. I think sailing's quite big in Spain. There was fishing, there was jet skis, there was kayaks. You can learn to surf there uh, as well. Yeah, you can learn to surf there. Mm. When us coming from Australia, we really couldn't find the surf, the, what we call surf. <laughs> but um, surf lessons. but uh, yeah, look, it was beautiful. It had the restaurants, it had the cafes. Yeah. Yeah, the Yacht Club, Gihon Yacht Club yeah. was beautiful. If you want to have water views to eat, there's no shortage of places there. And it does have a nice little old town as well. After you've done doing the lookout stuff and either going to the beach or walking along the promenades, or mm. there's a lovely little old town and the Plaza Mayor it, the, is tiny, but it's so cute and nice. lots of pastel coloured buildings and yeah, lots of little cafes on that as well around the town hall area. So it's definitely a great day trip. People, you can stay there instead of Oviedo, but we'd, you know, like coming from Australia and also being down in southern Spain, we spend a lot of time at the beach and we live at the beach, so we, we decided we want to stay somewhere mountainous, which is why we chose Oviedo. And the other thing about Ijon is it's really well known for its seafood. So if you... Okay. If uh, that's something that you like, which we do. Which we do, yeah. <laughs> it's certainly the place to go. Now... 
when we there's a couple of places that when we go back to Oviedo for dinner, there's a quite a different some really good gourmet sort of type restaurants that we and we went to one that night called it's called the Black Cat or the what is it? The, yeah, yeah, Gato Negro. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's it, did it have a Michelin star? I'm not sure that it might not have, but it's one of those. We went early, so we got a table, and we were finished dinner by about eight thirty nine, and then the whole restaurant was just packed out. They eat later. And the further north you go, the later they seem to eat, probably because the days are, the sun's up a bit longer up north. But that's a lovely little restaurant in the Old Town area, the Black Cat, wasn't it? I used to hear that the further south you went, the later they ate because it got so much hotter. That's what so that's I thought. I thought I, that's exactly what I thought. But we just, we were like down south, sort of 8 o'clock, you get dinner. Up north, it oh, was see, like I, 8.39. I, I, I remember not being able to find a place up until nine or ten o'clock at night. Sure, uh, yeah. and having young kids at a dinner table at midnight. So, well, Caseras was a little bit like that, yeah, like with a little yeah. small town in the middle of Spain. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it was really hard. But the, one of the things that I really enjoyed about Asturias and Aviado was the mm-hmm. food there. Whereas Andalusia, it's more pork and, and that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. you've got the tapas, and whereas up where we were, there wasn't that much tapas or pinchas, but mm-hmm. so we were really eating in restaurants, more or less. There was one restaurant called the Tierra Astur, and I'll let Leanne describe that. There's about six different Tierra Astur's, and they're famous up there. And just back to the food, pardon me, thing that Lyle was talking about, is if you don't like Asturian meat or cheese, you're probably going to starve because <laughs> they okay. love their own produce. They're so proud okay. of it. Yeah, yeah. We luckily did like it. But, yeah, so Tierra Astua is one of those sidrerias that we were talking about earlier. But there's one okay. in particular that is right at the beginning of that Calais Gascona. And it's you walk in and all you can see is bright green bottles and dark timber. Now, what they've done is they've decorated the whole restaurant in these green cider bottles. So there's chandeliers, there's like little monuments but statues and and they're just everywhere. They're behind the bar, they're used as lights and they've got a lot of them are lit up from behind and somehow they've got water flowing through all of them and it's, I don't know if it's representing the water from the Picos Europa or the cider or a combination of both. There's a like a three-inch galley through the bar, which has got the water flowing through it as well. And so you're just overwhelmed by that. And then you sit down at a table and the timber is dark brown and it's solid and the chairs you sit on are solid and you look up and there's beams that are like big timber beams that go all across the ceiling in a bit of a mixed-up sort of pattern. And as you look across, the ceiling then becomes the next level of tables. So like you're sitting in the bottom of a big wooden ship and up the sides are these tables that become the next level. It's just, you're just sitting there amazed by all of this. And then you have 10, 12, 15 waiters doing what we said before, pouring the cider all over the place. It's just some, something amazing, isn't it? And so we ordered a, a platter of, and it came back that the platter was three feet long, covered in enough <laughs> meat to feed Oh, look, my, my whole family of all those people. It was just, we struggled to get through it, but we wanted to try it all. Yeah. Because it's, 
yeah, really. Yeah, because the, the platter had your beef, chicken, lamb. It was amazing. And the price, and we probably had that plus a bottle of wine, was 79 euro. And as I said, we really enjoyed the food there. On mm-hmm. average, at dinner, with some of the days, we would have had shared an entree and a couple of mains and a dessert and a bottle of wine. On average, 58. So well, that's 58 American dollars. So that's pretty. For us, that's really cheap for Australians. Mm-hmm. Now, they also, they're very big with their cheese. Talking about the food now, I'm not sure, Chris, whether you're aware that in Asturias, it's famous for having cheese caves. So they actually mature. No, I was not aware. Mm. Okay. Yeah, in the Picos de Europa, in the mountains, they've got caves where they're, it's not just like a little cave. It's, 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 it's really a cheese factory, <laughs> but it's built into the mountain, and they say that the beauty of it is it's 95 percent humidity doesn't get above um, doesn't get that cold or that uh, that hot yeah, yeah so that doesn't, doesn't get above 15 and doesn't get below eight mm. and the higher and the and if it can face the north they say that it's better for the cheese it makes it better so that's one of the things that we didn't see in any sort of guidebooks definitely look that up if you're going to go to Oviedo we didn't get to see them unfortunately we found them after the time but the cheeses they mix don't they sure. have the because there's a lot of cattle up there a lot of goats as well, well. there's goats there's cheese there's sheep and they, they have pasteurized cheese and then they have non-pasteurized cheese and then they mix all those together so it's now the place is it's called the Cueva de Queso de Cabrales. So Cabrales is where the main caves are. And they're very parochial about how good their cheese are, how good their cider is, and obviously the cattle and the goats and the sheep. The other thing is that because they've really focused on cider for so many years, they've just started focusing on wine. And we had a bottle of wine. It was called the Vereda Albrin Blanco, and not to be mistaken by Albrino, which I was mistaken at the time, but I did a bit of research. They've just been awarded the Denomination de Origen in 2018, so that wasn't long okay. ago. Which means they have that accreditation that you have to have. Yeah, right. and that's how long it's aged for, the yields. Mm the style of winemaking and the type of grape. It's a big deal in Spain. You go and you buy a bottle and it's on the back of the label. It'll have all the indications of what sort of wine it is and where it's from. And you've got a pretty good idea what the wine's going to be like. We did have the Albrin and we loved it. Yeah, we... It was really different. It wasn't like the Vadejos, which we normally have had. And we drink a lot of Blanc in Australia, but this was totally different and very nice. And we should remind people that when you picked the three words for your website, one of them was wine. I'm just for saying. That's correct. So my, my daughter actually said to me that just so suits you, mum, beach travel wine. So probably another thing that people could do if they have just to finish up on the itinerary is, we, as I said before, we didn't have a car. But if you have a car or you want to do a bit more travelling on public transport, the coastline of Asturias is just over 400 kilometres long. I don't know what that is in miles. I'm sorry. And that's okay. in that 400 kilometres, there's mm-hmm. 220 beaches. Now, some of these beaches mm. are great for surfing. There's some that are famous for their cliffs. There's caves that people kayak through. There's blowholes and there's a whole lot of fishing. There's a, a couple of little famous places that on the sort of tourist radar is Yanes, which is spelt with a double L, A-N-E-S and mm-hmm. Riba de Celia. Now, between those two little beaches alone is 20 surfing beaches. So 
those little villages have got coloured little seaside houses and things and certainly that's something that a lot of people love to go and see. So if you have a car, as I said, or you, there are buses, it just takes a little bit longer to explore that mm. sort of coastal area of Asturias. Yeah. And there's another part which we didn't talk about at, at the Picos de Europa. At the bottom of as you drive up, there's world-class kayaking and canoeing. And in fact, that okay. just recently had the world championships there. And so I saw that, yeah. For so the probably more active and younger yeah. people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, hiking and kayaking. It is very high quality there. One of the things that, another thing that we've discovered was just a little thing. If you're in Oviedo, there's a lovely little bakery called Confiteria Rialto. And it's right there just on the edge of the old town before you head into San Francisco Park. And it's famous for a biscuit called Moscovitas. And there's an almond and chocolate mixture. And nobody knows where the recipe came from, but it's, and I think that's why they're so famous because there's all this mystery around them. But apparently a boy returned from the Soviet Union after the Civil War with this famous recipe in his suitcase and it's been made in Confiteria Rialto ever since. So, yeah, so there's some nice little bakery goods. And before we move too far away from the beaches, uh, 400 kilometres is 240 miles. Okay. I just didn't want to interrupt you to (laughs) put that in there. Yeah, I just that would obviously make more sense to to who else who for those of us who think in miles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, Anything we, else we want to cover on the itinerary before we get to some of our wrap up questions? No, I think I've just about finished all everything that we can possibly tell you. It is a university city, Oviedo, mm-hmm. and so it has a very vibrant nightlife, and there's a lot of music around the place, and it also is one of the only seven or eight, depending on where you read, Celtic or Celtic, however you say that, right. areas in the world. You, It's nothing to see a marching band playing the bagpipes walking around the old town. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. quite different. Yeah, that's yeah I thought of that when you said a cider because so many of the Celtic regions, like the Celtic regions of, you know, Ireland, obviously, but also the Celtic regions of France are also cider regions, but it's somewhat related to both the heritage and the weather. So mm-hmm. interesting. Ah, As true. we get to some of our wrap up questions, you are standing in the prettiest spot mm. in the whole region. Where are you standing and what are you looking at? Yeah, I've thought about this and there's a few. <laughs> the one I think that just can't be beat, and I think we agree, wasn't it, was we're standing in the sacred cave of Covadonga. Okay. Looking over the pond past all the flowers mm. to the majestic Covadonga Basilica with mm-hmm. the Stone. mountain range in the back. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Just magical. Excellent. Probably the one thing that makes you. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. view in Spain. Oh, interesting. Mm. In all of Spain. And you've spent just what you said, 11 weeks. That's mm. quite a statement. And because of the nature of it, it's just yep. outstanding. One thing that makes you laugh. And say only in Asturias. For me, what would it be for you, John? Probably the cider. Yeah, me too. <laughs> okay. The way they perform the cider. The way they pour mm-hmm. it and spread it everywhere, and like, I, yeah, I haven't seen and that. Probably, and probably the La Tuna. Yeah. The music. Yeah. Got it. The music. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And if you had to summarize the region in just three words, what three words would you pick? Awesome. See, that's a really tough question, I know. And I went round and round and I came up with, or we came up with, mountainous, break and fascinating. Excellent. Excellent. Mm. Our guests, again, 
have been Leanne and Lyle from BeachTravelWine.com. And Leanne and Lyle, if we want to send people to your best post on Asturias, where are we going to send them? On our website, BeachTravelWine.com. There's a blog post on Aviator and also Mm -hmm. the little podcast that we did, episode 15. Excellent. I will put a link to that in the show notes of this episode so people can find it more easily. Mm. Thank you so much for coming on the show and telling us of your love for this region in northern Spain. Thanks, Thanks, Chris. Chris.